Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Salutations and welcome back to another episode of Corner to Corner Wrestling Radio. I'm Stan Grubb and my tag team partners, as always. Brian Taylor is here. They don't deserve to hear me. I keep telling you, you keep bringing me back. I don't what know what the, the deal is. What are you, the Austin Theory of Podcasting? They just don't deserve you? Like, what the they hell? don't deserve me. Okay. They don't deserve <laughs> my magnificence. Uh, yeah, uh, Rob Hefner's here. Hey, Rob, what's up, man? Well, hello there. <laughs> you know, uh, it's between... you, you do deserve me because I'm sorry you got when you go on Wish and ask for radio hosts and you that's what you get. You get me. Sorry. OK, the question is, what are you the Wish version of? Just a generic radio host or. He's not. <laughs> uh, I can't believe you fell for it. Why do you leave yourself open like that? Damn. Not that Rob is these nuts. He's just, I guess. Those nuts? Yeah, those nuts. He would be the wish form of those nuts. <laughs> not these nuts. God, that's just disgusting. We're already down a very sad rabbit hole. <laughs> hey, we give the fans what they want, all right? <laughs> that's what she said. Oh, those, that, those high ratings were so nice, but they didn't last very long. And the updated charts were now 20,000 on a list of five. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, oh man, we got we got news. We got news to talk about this week. We got wrestling results to talk about, and a pretty cool hypothetical question that actually got brought up to Eric Bischoff on 83 Weeks. Um, so we got some stuff to cover, and uh, hey, even a bit of a health update. Um, we'll we'll start with that. Just a real quick update here. We found out earlier today that uh, WWE Hall of Famer, commentator, and of course legendary performer and wrestler. Jerry Lawler suffered a stroke and was hospitalized. He is currently still in the hospital, but is in stable condition and uh, is awake and talking. So uh, that was uh, news that broke about uh, noon Eastern time today. He, how old is Jerry Lawler? That's uh, this isn't the first time he's had heart condition, heart problems. He had a heart attack live on the air for, uh, mm-hmm. during Monday Night Raw one night. So um, it's it's kind of sad to see uh, our <laughs> our favorites and our, the legends of the business uh, starting to have these kind of health issues. Of course, when Ric Flair had his, it was pretty scary. But, you know, that guy's just too tough and perhaps too much of the nature boy to die. 
Um, <laughs> Jerry Lawler, same thing. You know, he's still the king uh, in a lot of ways, but he's 73 years old and had a stroke, man. Damn. Freaky. But it does happen. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And, and, and he is recovering well, I think, right? Did I yep. that? Yep, according yeah. to uh, 411mania.com at about, uh, well, about six hours ago, Dutch Mantel had uh, posted an update, said that he had heard from uh, the doctor who was helping Jerry out. He's improving. He did suffer some paralysis on his left side that he's regaining use of the uh, now, so... Here's to hoping for a, a, a full recovery for Jerry Lawler. Yeah. There you go. That would get all the wishes go to him. So, guys, uh, something that came through in the news today that this is an interesting little tidbit. Not sure if you guys have ever heard of Major League Wrestling. Mm-hmm. MLW. Mm-hmm. MLW. Okay. So, Court Bauer, former. Are they w- the ones. WWE? That's right. He's so smart. Look at Rob. Big brain Rob. That's Sorry, right. I didn't mean to ruin your minute. Sorry. <laughs> Former <laughs> WWE writer. I mean, writer. What? 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 What could you? What MLW means? I, I don't know. I don't know. I think you said it right. It's Major League Wrestling. That's right. Court Bauer, former WWE writer and current CEO for MLW, uh, did a chat with Deadline.com where he talks about uh, the new MLW Underground getting ready to debut on Reels, uh, but also talking about the tampering lawsuit that MLW has against WWE. Uh, interesting information about this, of course. Major League Wrestling had a deal in place with 2B TV, which is a streaming site. They are also affiliated with Fox. WWE found out about this. And days before the streaming deal was supposed to begin, WWE threatened to pull their programming from their Fox affiliates, and that in turn killed the MLW deal, again, days before they were supposed to start streaming. The lawsuit states that they're ultimately looking at, uh, overall, it's just the suppression of growth of our business. I think that's a pretty bold statement, but he's got to be pretty dead on because that's that's in the court of law right now. Curious as to how this will play out, especially in the midst of a, a big sale negotiation. Mm, I mean, honestly, MLW doesn't have the cash for this mm-hmm. to play out the way it probably should. Um, I'm sure the WWE can just tie it up in the courts forever and a day. Won't think twice about it. And MLW is eventually going to run out of money and either have to close or give up the lawsuit. I agree. I mean, it's 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 example of you see it in business all the time. You see certain things happen like this all the time with certain vendors and certain products, you know, Um, as we all know, our favorite stores we all go to those products are there in certain areas because they pay to be there you know your local retailers don't just think oh i'm gonna put this product right here next to the door no that product's paid to be next to the door mm-hmm. um and the bigger products have bigger edge and so in the world of wrestling or 
streaming services or whatever, WWE just said, you know what, hey, if you put them on, then we take ours off. And who has the who has the bigger portfolio in life? <clears throat> you know. I mean, WWE has been keeping people from going other places, keeping shows from going on the air in other other spots for a long time. I mean, this isn't necessarily a new practice by them. It's um, not a new practice by any company. Very true. It's just now a guy who works for the big company now works for the little guy and goes, well, that wasn't right. 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 <laughs> well, you did it for how many years when you worked for him? So like. And I wonder, I wonder if, you know, while this goes to court, if they'll actually ask him, you know, Mr. Bauer, uh, tell us about your time at WWE. When did you witness their tempering then? Uh, and why didn't you say anything? Uh, right. only when it came, only when it hurt your billfold, did you care? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a slippery slope. You get into that question and now people are going to start to very closely examine your integrity, especially while you're suing them for the, you know, millions of dollars that they're seeking. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things like. It, what's good for you is good for me, but you know, mm-hmm. the other ones that get upset about it are the one. I mean, you look at you look at any arena. You know, as I'm watching TV, an arena pops up. Every arena has a deal with certain sodas, certain vendors. You know, so if mom and pop upstart beverage beer people that you know, hey, local breweries, like, oh, I want to get my beer into the local the uh, local arena. Do you think Miller Lite, Budweiser, or they're going to sit back going, oh, yeah, come on? They're going to be Actually, like, no. I would think that Miller Lite and Budweiser would be totally fine with it because they've got their share in the market and they're not worried about it. I think they operate on a completely different type of practice. Mm, no, no, no. So ultimately, if anybody comes in, they're taking out of Miller Lite or Bud Light or whoever's pocket. Right. right. <clears throat> they're not going to just let a a competitor just walk through now you may you may see people with smaller um you know like uh regional beers i guess mm-hmm. but don't think for a second that they're not being tracked by Miller lighting them if they get big enough start eating through po- uh uh you know profits Oh, I, I'll guarantee you they'll pull pull contracts fast. Or you either get rid of them or or we walk. Right. Or they come in, the big company comes in and says, Hey, you know what? Now we notice you. Here's the check. Now we own mm-hmm. you. Right. And WWE's done that for years, you know. Oh, oh wait a minute, what? Because what happened when any federation went up for sale? Any federation that went, what'd they buy? WWE bought their library. Mm-hmm. They weren't worried about, oh, let me keep this Smoky Mountain going. No, they were like, I'll buy your library. You know, because now you're part of us. So, I agree with Brian. I mean, I, do I agree with the practice? No, but do I think that anything's going to come of it? No, I mean, it's like, it's like the person suing themselves because suing McDonald's because they ate McDonald's and now they're fat. <laughs> you know, 
McDonald's has a like lawyers on standby and can just sit there and like <laughs> keep going until you finally your attorney goes, you know what? We ain't, I, I need money. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's it's crazy to me to think that, you know, this lawsuit is out there in the midst of. Uh, you know, the, the all of the sale talks and everything. And this has been going on before that even really started, before the negotiations were really underway. You know, I am curious as to if they'll just settle it out of court, pay them a, a fraction of what they assumed that they would have gotten and then be done with it. Or do they just go ahead and, like Brian said, and just kind of bleed them out because they can. And then buy their library? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably so. <laughs> Wow. I, I have a feeling that you're probably right on that, though. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to imagine the WWE just of completely getting away from what they've done before, especially with lawsuits. And that's just well, waiting it out financially. Well, also, to me, there's got to be something else there. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Could there be. You know, did this guy leave WWE to go take this position with MLW with the thought and with the promise of somebody at WWE going, hey, we're going to have a like Ohio, Ohio Valley. You know, hey, we'll use you as a feeder ground. Right. You know, well, we'll, 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 we'll you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours type thing. And then he gets there and oh, wait a minute. No, it's not. And it's kind of sour grapes, you know, like, oh fine when you guys think of you know possible fantasy booking possible options possible changes in wrestling history what are your one of the things that we see and we hear about a lot is heel turns what if so and so turned heel what if so and so turned face And the question was actually asked to Eric Bischoff during 83 weeks recently about the magnitude of a potential John Cena heel turn and would it have had the same impact as Hulk Hogan's heel turn? 1996, Hulk Hogan turns heel at the Bash at the Beach, of course, starting the NWO. Um Hogan, one of the most popular performers in the business, period. I mean, cover of Sports Illustrated, Johnny Carson, Rocky Three, Rock and Wrestling. I mean, it it was huge. Goes all the way through the 90s into 1994 ish when he debuts into WCW. But at that point, he's starting to get booed a lot more than he's getting cheered. You know, this was a time where. It, it was almost like Hulk Hogan was getting stale. Of course, you know, his heel turn in 96 starts an age of professional wrestling that, well, hell, it starts the whole possibility of even 83 weeks being a thing. So the question that was asked to him, I'll pose to you. Uh, doesn't matter who goes first, but John Cena turns heel. I mean, is that as big or bigger than Hulk Hogan's? Rob, feel free. <laughs> I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I kind of feel that 
Hogan going, Hogan turning when he did the way he did was just something that set the world, like the whole wrestling world on its ear because he hadn't done that by then. You know, um, if John Cena turned bad, I kind of feel like everybody, it was cool to boo him, you know? It's kind of like when they finally turned Roman Reigns. You know, everybody booed and hated him for years. And now, oh, now, wait a minute. Oh, okay. Now we're supposed to hate him, you know? Um, it was cool to boo. It's a cool to sit there and, you know, make fun of John Cena. Do I think it'd have that much impact? I mean, I think it'd be a huge thing. It'd be a needle mover at all. Now, no. But back in the day, back when he was still wrestling all the time, hell yeah, that'd be something. Did that answer your question? I think it gives a, a pretty solid response, yeah. I mean, when you look at what John Cena was was capable of back in his, I guess you call it his heyday, because we don't really know if he's done. It sure seems like he is. Certainly winding down. Um, he's but done full time, for sure. When you look at what he was capable of, I mean, over 300 wishes granted for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. He is the record holder actually toppling Hulk Hogan in that, uh, in that regard. Was responsible for WWE being able to, some would say, successfully move into the PG era. Uh, others would claim that there was a waste, but it all kind of depends. And Cena definitely was was carrying the company on his back for a long time, almost as long as Hogan carried WWF. Brian, what do you, what do you think? It, would Cena's heel turn been? Would it have been that big? So <clears throat> we're talking just the initial. Turn, I guess, right? Because. Well, let's break it down into two parts because I know we'll talk about how we do it. And before we get to that, let's just yeah, let's go with the moment the the heel turn itself. So the heel turn. All right. So let's remember Hogan. Um, was Hulk Hogan, right? So there's nobody was nobody bigger. At the time, right? But John Cena's own right was just as huge. Um, you know, again, I'm not going to say he's was as big as Hulkamania, right? But in his era, he was just as big as anybody else. So if we just look at that, him turning bad would have been um <laughs> sorry i was looking at a something for work um if you look at that they're, they're they're kind of on par right especially for when the hogan turns bad his popularity is waning and so cena's popularity and his at that time was probably on par um so I would say that it would be just as big because even though half the crowd wanted it, nobody expected it. I think when you look at 
the magnitude of what Hogan did in 96, the thing that a lot of people leave out is the the cast, the supporting cast that was there that made it as big of a deal as it was. It wasn't even supposed to be Hogan that went heel. It was supposed to be Sting. And they ultimately made the decision to go with Hogan. They felt it would ha- be a bigger bigger deal. You still have Luger and Savage there. And, I mean, well, Hogan's stuck in the Savage so many times we shouldn't have been shocked when he did. But he does drop the leg on Randy Savage. And not to mention you do have Scott Hall and Kevin Nash as at his side. So is – Obviously, Hogan's a, a big a big name. Period. Right? He he transcends at that point. But does WWE and let's just say 2006, and I would say that's the height of John Cena's popularity. Is John Cena in 2006, and does WWE have the roster to pull that off? All right. So who's on the roster in 06? Uh, let's go forward and take a look. WWE 2006 roster. Only don't, don't don't worry about the the lower card. Like who who's main event type stuff. All right. So got Triple H, Shawn Michaels. They had just reformed Degeneration X. You got Edge, Randy Orton is rated RKO. Um, you got. Eddie Guerrero, who is still alive at this point. You've got Booker, who is still still doing well. Um, 2006, 2006, let's see here. Uh, I'm sorry, Guerrero died in 2005. I apologize. So Guerrero was dead at that point. Um, Batista is still at the top of his game. Uh, you've got ECW, which had been revamped and you know, reintroduced Rob Van Dam on the top of that. And in 2006, they had a lot of top ECW names and you had a young Randy Orton, you know, in getting his, his pre legacy run. So there's definitely a lot of talent there and a younger CM Punk. Chris Jericho is there still. I mean, so there's some major names. All right. So you have the names, right? Because ultimately, that's what what starts the NWO, mm-hmm. right? It's Hogan, Hall, and Nash. So, and was DX bad at this time, or were they the quasi good guys? Well, I guess this is the reformation. Yeah, so they, so they were they were solidly good guys. Good guys yeah. <clears throat> um, and Orton and. And Edge, they were they were bad guys, right? Yes. RKO. So you could have easily, right? You could have you could have drawn kind of a parallel with the NWO and put had Cena turn and form with Edge and Orton. Orton is prime. Edge is prime. Cena is prime. All of them talkers. All of them more than capable wrestlers. Um, you could probably, again, pull it off because there are just as many named people that you have on the roster 
top tier talent, I guess, that you could have done something like that and you could have made it work. Just, you know, um, God, could you see them feuding with Punk and then maybe Punk and DX have to form together to, um, you know, combat the evil Cena or whatever. Mm-hmm. Batista and, and Punk, Batista and DX. I mean, there's there would have been so many other, so many things you could have done with it. Just like, again, just like the NWO. If you don't water down the NWO and you just keep it to three, while it may not be as like as big as it got as far as size, I still think that NWO is better keeping it a very small group. Mm-hmm. But you know, let's look. Uh, when was when did Nexus form? Uh, 2010. Okay, so let's flash forward to Nexus, right? So Cena could have very easily turned with Nexus and been responsible for Nexus and then just simply run over everybody, much like the NWO did. There were so many that you just couldn't stop them. Now, in 2010, the WWE was in a a real state of flux. They really, I mean, they had some top name talents there. They had some top people there, but they were only just then building Sheamus. Batista was there, but getting ready to leave. Um, Triple H is still there, of course. Jericho is still there. You have a very young Drew McIntyre. Um, you know, you've got a lot of talents there that could have could have benefited from an opening like that. Uh, I mean. Again, at the end of the day, money-wise, there's nothing that the WWE could have done with Cena that would have compared to the NWO, mm-hmm. right? But based off of the era, you could have done something with it, and it would have been huge. It would have been huge for that time. And it may very well have been on par with the NWO looking back at it 10 years later, 15 years later. Cause I mean, we can all admit for as good as the NWO was at the end of the day, they watered it down so much. It was kind Definitely. of, it, it, you know, it got dumb, you know, after I'd say who came after X-Pac uh, so you had Billionaire Ted, you had X-Pac, and then I think Bischoff and the Giant were soon to follow. So I, I, I would say maybe after Bischoff and the Giant, they went too far. Oh, yeah, they went too far when they did the LWO, Wolfpack, all yeah. that crap. Yeah. When, so, when your bad guy faction has factions? <laughs> Yeah, but they could have, I mean, Cena could have turned bad and very easily, you know, if he went with a faction, competed with the NWO because it was such a watered-down mess after a point. Mm -hmm. Could he have competed with the original? Had they left it alone? No. But when you add Stevie Ray and, um, I don't know, uh, you know, everybody else thrown in there, you know, that to me, he could easily compete against that. It is pretty wild when you look at 
the early NWO roster, and it's it's a lot. There's a lot of guys on here. Um, I'll go backwards from December of '96. Masahiro Chono, Scott Norton, Big Bubba Rogers, Michael Wall Street, Buff Bagwell. This is all in '96. Eric Bischoff, the Nasty Boys, even though it was only for a week. Miss Elizabeth Vincent, formerly known as Virgil. Six, the Imposter Sting, the Giant, Ted DiBiase, Hogan Hall, and Nash. That's way, way too freaking many, even without the Nasty Boys. Well, yeah, but I mean, did you, did I miss Scott Steiner? Did I miss Stevie Ray? Uh, Steiner and uh, Stevie Ray is later. That's right. like uh, Steiner's in 98. So that's probably a year, not one yeah, a year, yeah. but months into it. I was trying to keep it as close to their early run as possible. Yeah. I, I mean, again, I, do I think the world benefited from the NWO? Sure. But yeah. again, once you hit a certain point and it was so overwhelming odds mm-hmm. and the only real person you had was what Sting and Luger. Right. Um. I mean, you know, the, you kind of, you know, now all you're doing is just, uh, you know, trying to trying to make money. You're not worried about prolonging anything. You're not worried about beating, you know, anybody. Um, they should have kept it again. The original three, four, five, whatever, and been done with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after a while, it just becomes monotonous. You know, like mm-hmm. who's not part of the NWO? You know, and when like when you said, Stan, when you got down to like Virgil and all that, like at a certain point, I'm sorry, nobody cares. You know, there's a reason the four horsemen were the four horsemen. Right. You know, because you always knew they were going to be four. Now. One or two may rotate here and there. (laughs) (laughs) But you didn't have to worry. It was it wasn't like. You were going to have the Four Horsemen plus the Midnight Express plus Harley Race plus, you know, all the other guys mm. plus mm. Ricky Morton. Dog Speck, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been Richard Morton if it had been WCW. They wouldn't have kept him as Ricky. They'd have had him, the tailor made man, you know, Terry mm. Taylor. <laughs> you know, it would have been the Freebirds. You know, it wasn't, it, it, you had the Four Horsemen and you knew. Yeah. You know, you knew Ric Flair was the lead. Tully and Iron were the supporting characters plus tag team. And then that rotating fourth member was that rotating fourth member. Yeah. I I, I mean, I, I think here's the thing that that Bischoff might be overlooking. And maybe it's because he created the NWO and, you know, got Hogan to turn bad. So, you know, maybe he's playing a little close to the best or whatever. Mm-hmm. But let's not forget that John Cena was popular in his own right. And I bet you for the time he was probably sitting on top of March sales. And, you know, even though he was doing a new shirt every other week or whatever, um, he was probably on top of March sales. Cena's run at the top of March sales goes from 2005 when he won the U.S. title all the way to 2014. So that's a what a nine year span. Yeah, that's that's fucking insane. Yeah, there's no other way to say it. <laughs> it's just nuts. 
So, you know, let's let's not discount Cena for being popular. You know, and if he had turned. It would have been just like Hogan all over again, because all the little Hulkamaniacs, you know, would have been devastated. And then people like me that couldn't, you know, were just so against Hogan that when he turned, it was like, yeah, this is the Hogan. He should have been all along. It would have been the same for Cena. Well, you know, again, remember, oh, go ahead, oh, go go ahead. Ahead. no, no, you, you finish. You go. You remember in 92 where Hogan, Flair and Sid are the last three in the Royal Rumble mm-hmm. and Sid throws Hogan out and the crowd goes wild. Mm-hmm. Remember, WWE even edits out the cheers. They change it to booze. But Sid was at the height of his popularity then, which is crazy because he does get more popular in 96 when he wins the title in WWF. But at that point, we saw a potential for Hogan to actually be second fiddle to somebody. Now, granted, mm-hmm. it, it may not have been very long, but imagine if Hogan had turned heel in 92. Well, you know, I don't again, think he had the reaction. Uh, no, I, I think he would have had the reaction. Always had that reaction. Because, again, take a, how old were you in 92? God, uh, 12. In 92? Oh, yeah, because y'all are younger than me. <laughs> so, <laughs> I forgot how young, uh, are y'all about, I guess, six years? No, I think right? what you really meant to say was you forgot how old you are. No, no, I know how that's old a, I am. That's, that's, a, that's what comes with age. Yeah, I know how old I am. But, I mean. Your name is Brian. So, listen. So, <laughs> in 92, right, if Hogan had flipped the script and gone bad, it still would have been the biggest thing to happen to pro wrestling ever. And it right? would have been. I mean, and Bischoff mentioned it when he's talking when he was first asked about this. You had adults crying in the crowd. You know, I mean, there were kids throwing their T-shirts down. There were, I mean, you remember Tony Schiavone, Hulk Hogan, you can go to hell. I mean, mm-hmm. this this were was the huge magnitude of what it was. And in '92, this is before. It's even, yeah. It oh be yeah. Even bigger. Yeah, because '92. I mean, Flair hasn't lost the title to Bret Hart yet. He's at the top of his WWF run. Mm-hmm. Randy Savage is at the top of his WWF run at this point. The Ultimate Warrior isn't gone officially yet. A heel Hulk Hogan in 1992 could have been massive. Oh, yeah, because, again, I mean, think about it. For, I don't know, 10-plus years. Mm-hmm. 92, probably 80, 80. When did he go back to the WWE and beat the Sheik? 81? Uh, he beats the Sheik in 83. 83. So you're talking nine years of eat your vitamins, say your prayers. Yep. And all this other, right? All this other stuff. So those kids, my my generation grew up hearing that. Like, since we were seven eight nine years old i mean we watched the hulk hogan rocket wrestling we played with the ljns we i mean you know it, we back then in the 80s the wwe was all over the place yeah from the magazines to the toys to the 
you know, the shirts, the whole nine yards. Again, I think Hulk Hogan is still the only wrestler ever to appear on Sports Illustrated. I think, right? So you're talking national, national, like a mainstream. Everybody knows who the hell Hulk Hogan was. I mean, think about poor George Michael. If you're, if anybody knows who doesn't know who George Michael was, local sports writer on NBC, I think it was. Out of Washington, yep. Out of Washington, right? Covered pro wrestling on his show. George Michael was the man, sports yes. machine, baby. Yes, covered pro wrestling. Let me tell you what. If Hulk Hogan had turned in that period of time, I'll lay money George Michael wouldn't have shut up. He would have taken over 30 minutes of news to cover Hulk Hogan turning bad. There was no bigger Hulk Hogan fan in our local area than George Michael back then. Always talked about the Hulk. Even when he wasn't on TV, we'd talk about Hogan. Yeah, it would have been it would have been something for the ages. Yeah, I mean, you think Tony Schiavone telling Hogan to go to hell mm-hmm. was something? I'll lay you money; he'd have done it on national, you know, on the local news. Oh yeah, told Hogan to go f himself or something. I mean, that, that's how <laughs> big it would have been, you know, if he had done it. I wouldn't have been shocked if, uh, you know, who was President uh, Bush? Bush, yeah, Bush yeah. Time. If Bush wouldn't have gotten on there on the State of the Union address, Hogan. You can go to hell. You're, you're no longer an American. Get out of my country, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would have been it would have been that much bigger because that generation of fans was so so inundated with Hulkamania. And that and that brings up an angle. Like, what if Hogan had done what Sergeant Slaughter did? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. You know? Like if he came in as the Iraqi sympathizer. Mm-hmm. That, if you flip the script on that entirely and have Hogan go pro-Iraq in 91 and Sergeant Slaughter be G.I. Joe, I mean, Slaughter would have been the biggest damn star. Well, bigger, was, bigger than he was at the time. So let's think about this, right? So when is when is Slaughter with uh, – um, when did he go bad? Late ninety. Early 91. WrestleMania okay. 6, I believe. And when is the battle yeah. roll? The Royal Rumble? Yeah, yeah uh, the Royal Rumble. The 92? You mean, you're right. talking about when Hogan could have turned with Sid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah 92. Right? So Hogan disappears for six months. Slaughter's still a bad guy with, uh, who was his manager? Um, uh, Sheik Adnan and the Iron LKZ, Colonel Mustafa. Right? Yeah. So I want you to think about this, Right? So Slaughter says, I'm looking for a tag partner, and we went and scoured the world, and we found the greatest Iranian, you know, wrestler out there. So the only thing you see are the are the curled up boots, right? That's it. That's the only thing you see. He's, he's covered from head to toe, much like they would do with Abdullah the Butcher. And the only, again, the only thing you see are the curled up boots like the Iron Sheik wore. They walk him to the ring. Now, even covered, Hogan would be such an imposing person because he's, you know, he's so big mm-hmm. that the crowd would just simply gasp. Like, what? who brought this monster here? 
you put him in the ring, and let's say Slaughter's got a shot at the tag titles or something. Put him in the ring. It's time for the tag titles at WrestleMania. Boom! You pull the blanket off or sheet off, and it's Hogan. Curled up boots like the Iron Sheet, talking that America can suck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just, yeah, yeah. You can't tell me like they wouldn't have rioted in some poor arena if Hogan had done something like that. Oh, it'd have been horrible. I'd have been one of those burning figures. Yeah, poor Rob. Rob. <laughs> I'd probably I'd probably have cancer with all the toxins in those <laughs> all the melted plastic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean the I remember when Slaughter turned and I I was like he's supposed to be GI Joe he can't do that and I remember being mad but when Hogan you know comes out at, with the American flag and you know at the Royal Rumble '91 it's like oh we we got it we got him we got him again. You could, you could just hear Vince like we got him again. That's mm-hmm. good shit because it's and it's what it was. Hogan was the literal Americana. He was the American hero during that time. So if Hogan had had become <laughs> his partner in crime, I mean that that would have been insane. And you would have had a lot of room to to really we could have seen a lot of careers turned a different way. Oh yeah, yeah. but I mean. If you took the same angle, basically, that he did, right? Right. Back to the beach. And you have him come out. You know, say you have whoever you got right then at the, at the top, you know, whoever the top guy is. And you go, oh, Hogan's here. And he gets to the ring and he's got his, you know, his, his red, white, and blue on. And then he rips his shirt off and it's, you know. It's the Iraqi shirt or something. Oh my God, the Iraqi flag. Oh, you want to talk about death threats? You thought Sergeant Slaughter got death threats? Oh my God. Well, they'd have to keep Hogan in the bottom of Titan Tower. Yeah, yeah, literally, he would have to be under lock and key. Back then, the rumor was he was terrified of going heel because of what happened with Slaughter. Oh, I, I mean, if I was Hogan, I'd have been scared to death. <laughs> Go heel. Well, also you got to think at that moment his bread and butter was the American hero. Like everybody, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but when he get, finally did go, it was to the point in his career where he's like, "I've already made my money. What else?" You know. Yeah, but getting back to Cena, Cena would have solicited that type of reaction too. And I think too, because I think I missed like when I first started talking about this, you know. When we first started talking, I thought it was either or. But like, I agree. Like, it he would have if he would have turned when he was there all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, think but, about it. The the one thing the WWE does not do all that often mm-hmm. is flip a good guy bad. They don't do it as much as some of the other promotions. That's why I like Cena's and, you know, some of these other guys were, once they hit good, they stayed good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or they stayed bad. 
there are only so many that flip back and forth. And some of them were just so good at it, you just kept cheering for them anyway. Yeah, Seth Rollins is a good example of that. Yeah, The Rock is another one. Austin was a, is a is a perfect prime example. Yeah, he, he was so good at being bad. They, well, no, we're just going to cheer him. So Brian Gewertz used to be the star writer for Monday Night Raw for many many years. Does an interview with uh, Cheap Heat podcast uh and basically says they went to john cena they said hey you know we, we want to turn you heel cena's reaction is all right listen you want me to turn heel if that's what vince wants that's what vince says you guys want me to do i'll do it but just so you know i will go full bore heel there won't be mm-hmm. none of that like oh he's a fun heel he's a cool heel he's winking at the audience heel mm-hmm. <laughs> so See? let's let's imagine just take that statement alone Right. John Cena goes, okay, I'll go heel. I'm going full tilt. Right. So we all know that Cena, without a doubt, has been the best talker in there since The Rock and and Austin left. I think that's pretty much safe to say. Yeah. Right. Just a straight interview, not like. Michaels and Helmsley, where they were DX and they were goofing off, but we it was just comedy, right? Best promo since Austin and The Rock left is Cena, bar none. We know it's not Roman, although he's gotten better, but it's not Roman. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like Jericho was good, but again, he was a little, relied a little bit on comedy as well. But nobody, nobody to me compares to Cena. Now, we all saw what he did to Roman in that infamous promo. Mm -hmm. Could you imagine him doing that to your entire roster? Oh, Cena was a damn assassin on the mic, regardless of his stance. Even when he was early John Cena, you know, when he first started doing the rap gimmick. But, I mean, just think about it. Could you imagine that Dick Cena... I mean, in that interview, he was clearly a dick. <laughs> I mean, whether he did it on purpose, that was. Oh, a he dick. burned him. He burned him on oh, purpose. Yeah. He burned oh, him yeah. on purpose. He saw him stuttering. He's like, "Yeah, you're not getting away with that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you want to be the man? Okay, all right, buddy. Here we go. But you know what I'm saying? Could you imagine that Dick Cena showing up on on Raw and SmackDown? The ones that the ones that booed him to boo him because we wanted him to go bad. Mm-hmm. He would have instantly been bigger than anything else because we'd have been like, yeah, that's the scene I want. And then the other half that, you know, just were booing him just to boo him would start cheering him too. And I mean, it, it would be just this weird little thing where, oh, he's an ass, especially full tilt John Cena. And he would have to do some ridiculous crap to keep everybody booing him because that would be his job. And I think he could have pulled that off better than anybody. Well, Cena did an interview at one point and said that, you know, he was willing to do it and he had new gear created. He mm-hmm. had he was going to completely abandon the jorts and the FU and all of that. He was going to be a serious, just straight up 
as he as he put it, asshole heel. Mm-hmm. He'd have been like MJF, only only better. Yeah, they would have been on par. Like MJF would be talking about, oh yeah, when I grew up, it was it was asshole John Cena. That's who I loved. <laughs> right. That's who I learned it from. Right. <laughs> Imagine seen as the guy, you know, talking talking trash to Brian Pillman's family. Yeah. <laughs> Metheny. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus. But do, do I think it would have been as big? Yes. Because again, they're different eras. It's almost like Michael Jordan, LeBron James. For that era, it would have been huge. I mean, Cena was at at his top, at his very peak. I mean, people were talking about him breaking Ric Flair's record. Mm-hmm. You, you, don't, you don't get that, he? but yeah, I mean, you don't get to that unless you've established yourself in a certain standing. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's an interesting question, but I think, I think, I think Cena could have pulled it off. Yeah. I feel like he could have actually done a reverse evolution kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They could have had DX feud with evolution. Mm-hmm. And, and I honestly don't think that Vince would have made the same mistake by adding so many people to it. Yeah. I mean, you could have done, you could have done the NWO with Cena. You sure. could have did it again. You could have very easily, very easily just brought in a couple of guys from TNA. It's not like they weren't losing people at that point. And or you could have did it with with RVD and and Sabu, for example. People think it's going one way with ECW coming back. They give them the finger and they go the NWO route. You could have easily pulled that off. Mm-hmm. I know, man. How to book John Cena heel <laughs> on the next quarter to corner. I don't think that would have been hard, especially knowing that you now knowing that he would have done it and he'd have been so. Oh, yeah, I want to go full tilt. <laughs> that makes it a lot easier. I think at 06, if he had did it, it would have had a major a major hold. But in, in 2010, when there's literally only one or two other guys as popular as him that would have been the time to do it Mm -hmm. because you're forced you know you're forced to create new stars at that point you have the talent i mean you got brian danielson there you've got all these other folks young as they may be danielson was accomplished by the time he got the wwe easily he could have stepped up but you also forget what you're dealing with, Stan, is the fact that most of these, you know, quote unquote bobbleheads, would they have seen Brian Danielson as legit? Like, oh, this man's got cred. Or would it have been, he don't know nothing? You know? That's interesting. Because you got, you got, I mean, you think about the people that, you know, you have come in. I mean, we're in a day and a time where, you know, Ozzy Osbourne, you know, Kanye or whatever does a song, or Post Malone does a song, and everybody's like, oh, look, it's so nice. Give that old man a shot. 
know, or whatever. Like, so many people don't know anything. So people are like, oh, Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, as he would have been, you know, coming in. They'd been like, well, who's this guy to take down Cena, you know? Well, yeah, but, uh, I mean, you also don't don't forget, you also have Triple H. So Triple H very easily could have turned into the Sting role. Um, then been the one ultimately saved the day, and everybody would have bought Triple H. Um, beating them, but I mean, you you could have taken your time with. Um, God dang it! I don't want to make sure I get them right. Uh, Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. That's right. And and let him build up, because at the end of the day, he's, he would have been one of your better wrestlers on the roster. And much like, you know, Sting and Flair of the past, you just have him go out there and put on a wrestling show. And you do it one time and, you know, go to a draw or, you know, whatever, and everybody's now going to buy the fact that he can beat Cena. Oh, and also, didn't this throughout the time that Shawn Michaels is doing his comeback? Well, um, let's see. Cena debuts in 03. Michaels' comeback has started by that point. Yeah. So Michaels would have had, depending on when he did it, in 06, Michaels would have been, I would say, peak for his time when he did his comeback. So that could have been good. Well, you have to let Cena get a little further along in the, I think, before you could really, for it to take its full effect. Is it possible in today's in today's business for an NWO type faction to work? Sure, if you do it right. That's the, the joy of factions. They're good for whenever. So let's take let's let's use the NWO, the Horsemen, they're probably your two bigger factions, right? That'll that'll go to stand the test of time. You want to throw the Heat and family in there, we can throw them in there too. Right? The whole key to a faction is you gotta have more numbers than the good guys. Right. And as long as you have better numbers than the good guys, then that's where that's where a great faction comes from. You know, you want to be able to have three or four people jump and beat up one person. And then ultimately that one person either gets his revenge or recruits buddies to get their revenge. I mean, that's what the NWO did. That's what the horsemen did. That's what... The Freebirds did, you know, it was a numbers game. It's always a numbers game. Well, I mean, and there's there's some that the the formula consistently works. The Freebirds formula works no matter what. I mean, it always works. Look what they did with New Day, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and hell, I mean, with with what we're seeing right now, the Four Horsemen could easily work in today's today's bottle model. 
as far as the NWO, like a takeover kind of gimmick. Um, I think it would play well depending on who's in charge of creative. And that ultimately is, is what it would come down to. I mean, the talents you select are important, of course, but whoever's in charge of, you know, pulling that almighty trigger <laughs> in the pencil, so to speak, um, is really going to decide as to whether or not that, that faction has success. Yeah, I mean, you got to have the right mix, but yeah. the formula, the main formula is the bad guys or the faction has the numbers. Right, right. Yeah. And then as long as the bad guys have the numbers, then the it works. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the whole key to to the thing. And then you just make your your good guys become sympathetic. Yeah. I think we've uh, done justice to the scenario. I always have <laughs> these kind of conversations. I really do. The, the what ifs are always fun. Oh, let's take a look down the uh, the news wire here for a moment. Camille. NWA Women's World Champion is interested in defending the title in Ring of Honor. Um, she doesn't know if uh, AEW would feel comfortable about putting the title back on TV because of what happened with Thunder Rosa, but she'd love to do it in Ring of Honor, she said. That could be really cool. Wouldn't mind seeing, uh, seeing the NWA title on Ring of Honor. But what happened with Thunder Rosa? Uh, I think she's just talking about the exposure aspect because it's already been done. I don't think... The, oh. She wasn't really trying to say anything. I got you. I got you. I mean, it's, you know, the exposure is good for business. Mm -hmm. So the number two company in America is willing to do it. Put your, put your belt on there. Especially if you're the NWA, you need all the viewers you can get. True that, true that. So, Brian, before we get into uh, Dynamite and talk about some really, really cool stuff that happened there, I wanted to ask, this past Monday, with Becky Lynch, Bailey in the cage, what did you think of Raw this past Monday? Um, I went to bed about 7.30. (laughs) Once I found out we weren't doing the show, I went to bed. I was sick. So my sinus just kicked in. I, I'm sure you probably hear it now. Yeah. And I went to bed. I went to sleep and didn't pay attention to nothing. Wow. Okay. Well, can't really do that bit. Rob, your opinion of Monday Night Raw? <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched Monday Night Raw. Um, I thought the two highlights of the show were, yes, I thought the cage match was good. Um. I thought the way it ended um, was a little rough, but yeah, a little bit was was good. Um, my personal highlight was the Paul Heyman Cody Rhodes interview. Yeah. Holy shit! I mean, the the way that Cody Rhodes delivers when he's talking about his dad 
and his story. I mean, it sells it really well. But Paul Heyman, he took what Cody said and just said, okay, I'm going to turn this up to 15 because you're not ready. And the whole crowd, I mean, just damn. That was masterful promo right there. In the, now, in the That middle. is the art of uh, watch, watch puppets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because the entire time, it's like uh, mutual appreciation. You know, they're respecting each other, being all nice, talking about Dusty. And then Paul Heyman is. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Just such a damn genius. He just mm-hmm. twists the knife. Who did he, who did the American dream Dusty Rhodes not train? Oh, you <laughs> just <laughs> kicking the ball is number one. And Cody's just sitting there like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and the, the, the line to close it, though, you know, I the last conversation I had with Dusty was that you, Cody, were his favorite son. But Roman Reigns was the son he wished he had. Like, damn. Mm. I mean, that's just that's just poetry, man. It's how. How did we get to a point where wrestling promos just start surpassing, especially when it's Paul Heyman? Because it's not like he's ever going to suck at doing a promo, but it's it's like they're just putting it out there for, hey, let me win an Emmy. <laughs> it's like, like, damn, okay. Well, I mean, let's not forget that for every good one you see, there's oh, about there's 50 that suck. Billions of yeah. horrible ones, yeah, yeah. yeah. The whole, um, not that I don't like Candice LeRae, because I do like her, but that whole segment with her backstage was just shit. Yeah. Thanks for drawing a picture of what, what, who's this? Why is there a stalker in this picture? Everyone looks behind them. Or the, hey, the, Nikki. Uh, <laughs> right. Or the horrible angle with Miz and Rick Boogs. Yeah. Boogs without Shinsuke Nakamura right now is not very interesting to me. Well, Boogs is just stupid regardless so i mean i liked him being the the hype man for nakamura i I, i'm not gonna rule him out from ever being a star but yeah right now i'm like yeah i don't care and it's probably my lack of caring of miz too that doesn't help him what did you think of chelsea green in her new uh her new role what losing 
<laughs> well, no, that's not new. <laughs> I like the fact that Matt Cardona, her own husband's making fun of it. Yeah. So what's her new role? Basically, she's a Karen. So she didn't get the the dark chocolates that she wanted before mm. she uh, before she went to the ring. And she complained to Adam Pierce that if he wasn't careful, she would call his manager. Um, she was eliminated from the Rumble, of course. She has the mm. record for fastest elimination. So she had threatened Adam Pierce because that wasn't how the Rumble was supposed to go. That she was assured that she would win the Royal Rumble. Um, then, of course, during her match uh, against um, Asuka. Um, all of the women that were in the chamber surround the ring and basically bait her and talk to talk smack to her until she loses, which um, I think now we're almost assured that the, the new Oscar run is going to suck, which is sad. But I, the, the whole routine here is every time she loses, oh, my God, that's not how it's supposed to go. I want to speak to management, that kind of thing. Now, now, granted, I'm not Chelsea Green. I can't pull off the acting she does, but that's the gimmick. That's the bit. I mean, it's just... Okay. <laughs> I mean, this this is what Raw gave us, folks. It did 1.9, uh, 1.96 million viewers in the first hour. 1.8 in the second and 1.7 in the third. Um, it's down 11% from last week's 2.1 on the average. That's a stiff drop. Uh, we did get to see uh, a, a glimpse of potentially the Street Profits splitting up, not in a way where they're angry at each other, at least not yet. But we had qualifying matches for the final two spots for the men's elimination chamber. It was Damian Priest against Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford against Elias. Um, I thought Montez Ford's match was good. Uh, and Dawkins is actually looking really good, too. I don't know who's going to play the heel on this one. Or maybe they just decide, kind of like the Dudleys, just to split. I mean, I think your Montez Ford's going to play the... Not Montez. I think, yeah, Montez is going to play the heel. You know, it's going to be one of those things. It's just going to happen. I don't understand why, because when you're finally, when there's finally look at, oh, hey, we're going to take the belts off of the Usos for the last 600 years. Mm -hmm. um, you want some established tag teams, because what's going to, what are you going to leave you with? Braun and Ricochet. Because that's a, that's a, that's a bankable tag team. That's a Vince McMahon tag team, if I ever saw one. You know? I mean. <laughs> he got. The Viking Raiders, The New Day, Sheamus and Drew McIntyre, Pete Dunne and uh, uh, Rich Holland. There we go. <laughs> you got Street Profits, American Alpha. No, the Alpha Academy. Excuse me, Jesus. Watching <laughs> these. All of these different tactics, but we're going to get Braun and Ricochet. Yeah, I mean, what was uh, Gargano and Gargano and Osmos? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. 
Uh, what did you think of Edge and Beth Phoenix's uh, segment w- with uh, Judgment Day? That's you. Sorry, what was the question? I stopped thinking. <laughs> <laughs> what was your thoughts on Edge and Beth Phoenix with uh, Judgment Day, that segment? Um, I'm over the whole, let's bring in these people. Like, granted, I know they never finished their gimmick. They never finished their old storyline um, with Beth, you know, with Beth getting the concerto and Ed's, you know, I quitting because of it. So you knew it was going to come. But, I mean, how are you going to build any kind of storyline with Rhea Ripley when, you know what I mean? So... Like you got Riddy Ripley supposed to go against Charlotte Flair, but now she's stuck with her. So you can't. So how are you going to build Charlotte Flair? Well, and it's sad too because you know Ripley has a potential good match lined up with Beth Phoenix. You could assume. I mean, we get an opportunity to see Beth Phoenix to kind of finish out her run, which I'm fine with. And Ripley won the Rumble, so you got so many. You got two different stories happening in there, and then you've got Edge in the Judgment Day. That story now intertwined. It's just—it's a very messy delivery. Um, hopefully, hopefully at uh, Elimination Chamber, it's a clean payoff. But I don't think it will be. It's going to be a mess. Well, I mean, somebody's got to face each other at WrestleMania, right? Yeah, and that's why I think it'll be a mess. I think they'll end up turning it into like Edge against Finn Balor or something like that. Mm, how about Edge and Rey Mysterio? If he's able to come back versus Dom and Finn Balor. See? Prison Dom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, th- I feel like that. Uh, as funny as Dominic and, and Rhea is sometimes, and it is funny. I just don't think it's ever going to take any further. It's it's plateaued. It's not going any further up. <laughs> it's not going to get any more popular than it is. Well, I mean, it's to the point where you can tell that there is no chemistry there off screen. Yeah. You know, like it's cameras are on. Here we are. But there's nothing there. Well, and there's no suspension of disbelief either because, you know, we're in the today today's society. We already know that Ripley is, is with – Buddy Murphy or Buddy Matthews and Dominic is for those that follow him on social media is openly talking all the time about his girlfriend. So you already know that there's no suspension of disbelief there. And you're right. It doesn't help that the chemistry between the two is, is really lacking. Um, And I, we saved the best for last, the worst match of the night, Piper Niven versus Carmella versus Mia Yim and Candice LeRae to get to the the final deciding spot in the elimination chamber. Woof. And this who, match who, is awful. Who, who got it? It's going to hurt it's going to hurt me to say it. Carmella. Like so what? all the build to dip, to build to make to repackage Piper Nibbin. Yep. Nibbin Nibbin whatever. And then they get that and I'll tell you that it wasn't such a bad match when it was on fast forward. <laughs> That would have been the only way I'd want to watch that match. It's the only way I watched it. This is why I hated so women's wrestling. Somebody moonwalked so. across the screen. I was like, fast forward. 
it's it's the perfect reason why I hated women's wrestling for so long, because it's just not good. It's there's nothing, um, there's nothing redeeming. There's no redeeming quality of this matchup that I was like, you know what? That's pretty good though. It just so, wasn't it wasn't any good. Let's not base our entire um memory of women's wrestling on the WWE. I was gonna say that the thoughts of women's wrestling are of stand stand alone. They do not. No, represent. I referred to it in the past tense, and what I was saying was this is why I. Oh didn't no no like no! It you can't while. save it now, buddy. Okay okay. <laughs> I guess I'm trapped in that one. Fine. Yeah, because I I mean, uh, AWA had great women's wrestling. Uh, NWA, well, I guess WCW had good women's wrestling. It did. Oh, Medusa. Some of the rest right. of them. Yeah, yeah, can't can't discount Medusa. Yep. Uh, Sherry Martell in AWA. Um, Unfortunately, I'm, I didn't see a lot of women's wrestling from AWA. I only saw very little AWA until much older. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the that's just the way women's wrestling has been treated. I mean, some of the '80s stuff was uh, women's wrestling. WWE was great, but. Once they took it off, because it disappeared for a while in WWE, and then they started bringing it back and eventually morphed into, you know, whatever you call it now. I mean, I I know the fellas, fellas, you know, they put their legacy out there. It's okay. But but at one time it was treated more, it was treated more – um, With more respect. Yeah. And then again, it, it uh, you know WWE just simply dries up. Yeah. And then once Sonny and Sable and some of those come along, mm-hmm. then suddenly oh let's you know let's let's put the women back out here and. Yeah. Let's do bra and panty matches and mud wrestling and you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean that's that's kind of the way they treat it now. There's a certain to me it's a certain lack of what you have. It's which in is that, odd. You go ahead, right. Rob. It's taking that spot in the card of where like we always joke when you're going to the concession stand or going to the bathroom, you know. It seems like they have some big if they have some big montage or something, and then it's a woman's match before they go to the next thing. You know, it's back to being an afterthought. Yeah. Which is a shame because especially after how good the cage match was, and it was very good. Um, but I completely agree with you. The, uh, the finish to it was rough. Yeah. I mean, they clearly have not learned from the NWA they have definitely have not learned from impact and they haven't learned from AEW because um, they put on normally there's, you know, per, per week, they normally hit, hit good or, you know, with women's wrestling between the programming. Well, I mean the uh, the cage match with Becky and Bailey was good. We got Lita to come out at the end for uh, for making the save 
so to speak. She kind of did the Jeff Hardy thing that Jeff did in AEW. She does the pose and the dance at the top of the ramp. Meanwhile, Damage Control is beating the crap out of Becky Lynch. So she's not really in a hurry to make the save, but she finally gets to the ring, sort of. I'm curious as to maybe her uh, the condition of her knees. It it looked painful watching her get to the ring. Um, And I I don't mean disrespect by that. It's just it really did appear that she was hurt. Uh, but she does manage to save the day and uh, smashes Bailey in the face with the with the door of the cage. Um, that seemed kind of like a bad guy thing to do. <laughs> I'm like, I was a little confused. I was like, ah, uh, but that's not what. Okay, sure. I guess that's what we do now. And that was why I say it was rough. Yeah, but again, they, they, you know, they're they're all about the gray areas. Yeah, brother, brother, brother. Uh, but they somehow managed to be number one on cable with a drop in the key demo and uh, back down under two million. So hopefully they see the results of that and go, oh, okay, maybe we make a few adjustments. I wouldn't say that's a guarantee, but judging from what we're seeing on um AEW they're going to have to start to uh, start taking a lesson out of this in uh, soon nah. Dynamite uh this past Wednesday we got to see Brian Danielson and Timothy Thatcher to catch the against Brian Cage we got uh, Red Velvet and wait a minute is this the right yeah Red Velvet and Jade Cargill um, we got to see the acclaimed just destroy two random people. Uh, and it looks like we've got a lot to really look forward to as we get closer and closer to Revolution. I'm really, really surprised by this uh, this feud and how good it is between Mox and Hangman. I mean, I like it. I mean, I think the... Mox came out with that look on his face like, I was supposed to be off, but here I am. Mm-hmm. You know, like... Just let the man <laughs> take a vacation, damn it. <laughs> He's like, I was supposed to be off, but I'm not going gonna, gonna to fuck you up. Um, But yeah, I mean, it was a hard-hitting match from end to end, and the combat club getting involved at the end, it just kind of, you know, they didn't have... And they've been really good at this whole non-definitive like all right who was the true person in this that won that why that that's what gets us you know entertained and and wanting more of another one Mm -hmm. you know unlike what we've seen on the other thing with yet again brock and bobby again you know yeah i didn't even want to talk about that (laughs) (laughs) moving on (laughs) i i mean i I just feel like we've been there done that so often like I, I don't care about either guy. Right. Not not right now anyway. Um I feel like Mox is ultimately going to come out of this feud looking better regardless if he wins or loses. I mean, you you kind of figure he's going to lose at the pay-per-view to give him that time off to let him and and Renee enjoy some time off. But maybe because Renee's on the road, maybe he doesn't take it. I I don't know. Uh, he said in an interview not too long ago that he's AEW ride or die. 
he is refusing to leave the company. He wants to make sure they're successful, um, which is a huge vote of confidence for, I think, what we already knew, and that's that Tony Khan is making his talent happy most of the time. Well, and he gets to do what he wants. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, he gets to have matches. You know what I mean? Like, there's something to be said about being happy and pro- productivity. You know, like, Tony Khan doesn't have to be throwing money at Mox. You know, but he's he's making him happy by letting him have the matches he wants to have, mm-hmm. the schedule he wants to have. You know, I guarantee you, he'd 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 wrestle as much or as less as he wants to. I mean, look at all the other guys. You know, there's some that you see every week. Then there's some you see every week for a few months, and then you don't see him for a little while. You know, and it's more fluid, so it's 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 neat to see. But this whole philosophy of, oh, well, if Mox isn't happy, he's going to go back to the E. So, one did it. I mean, I think that there's there's room to say that, okay, if his contract's up, they'd make an offer, but I can't see him leaving. It's just no reason for him to. He has everything he wants right now. Well, and it'd be natural in any business for the competition to be interested in somebody. Right. You know, I mean, it's like the whole con- talk about when, you know, Triple H took over and he called certain people, you know, hey, there's nothing wrong with calling people and be like, hey, are you interested? It happens in every form of job everywhere. Yeah. You know. That, hey, you're interested? No. OK, cool. Just let you know, doors open and when if you are. The acclaimed in the bootleg Beverly <clears throat> Brothers. I don't know who wrote this recap, but that's hilarious because that's what they jokingly called them when they were wrapping their way to the ring. Um, they demolished these guys, but we get an aftermath of this match where it's uh, the the guns, the ass boys, uh, again confronting the acclaimed. I'm so over this storyline. I, I want to see the acclaim go against somebody else. Do we just did did they just forget there's other tag teams that they could face, or are we just gonna be forced to see this at pay per view? Oh, you're gonna see it at the pay per view. Oh god. Well, you'll see a return match at the pay per view. Oh. If if the guns come away with the titles, I'm okay with that. I like that they could have that opportunity, even if it's a short run, which it probably would be. Um, but I feel like, I mean, you have so many other options and it definitely hurts that FTR isn't on TV right now. Really would like to see them back on TV, but, um, yeah, it's just, I don't care about the, the rift between Billy Gunn and his kids. It's just, there's no buy-in there. I know it's not being delivered in a bad way. It's just, I just don't care. It just doesn't interest me. Yeah. But uh, again, you would be in such the minority here because look at the popularity of um, the acclaimed. Oh, the acclaimed are ridiculously popular. You're absolutely yeah. right there. Yeah. But, and I love the acclaimed. Everybody loves the acclaimed. They're like the people in the arena aren't disappointed from what they know is going to happen. Yeah. Um, I, I think the thing is, you're trying to get this over because you know the next the next 
uh, feud with whoever walks away with this is probably FTR. Yeah. Especially if it's a gun club, they're going to get FTR, which means right. FTR is going to reclaim the titles and, um, Um, you know what I'm saying? So you're looking in the future, you're anticipating what's to come, and you're like, oh, we need to get there. Because, I, I mean, I thoroughly enjoy it. I, I think it's... Um, it's entertaining to watch. Because I, I just absolutely like the at the, the gun club. Uh, you know, they're just... They're like pompous little pricks, you know. You could say you like the ass boys. It's okay. You can no, say no. ass boys. No, well, you know, but they're just like pompous little pricks. Yeah. That you know they're going to get their ass whooped before it's all said and done. They literally are the <clears throat> entitled version of Billy Gunn. Yeah. They, it's a millennial version of Billy Gunn. Where's my title shot? Why don't I have a title shot? I mean, that's literally what they're doing. So it, it's not that there's not humor in it. It's just that I'm like, eh. I don't know. I feel like we've seen it, but they just don't have the cred to back it up. Exactly. And maybe that's what they need out of this. If if they take this to revolution, which I I feel like that's what they do, then it needs to be the guns winning the belts. It just makes sense. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I. I, There's nobody who shouldn't see this thing, this turn coming with Billy Gunn. Right, right. Like there's literally nobody that I mean this this is so written on the wall uh, right now that I mean who knows AEW has pulled the wool over our eyes before where we thought we're going to get something and we don't and then we're shocked and we're pissed and we're like well and and the thing is with Billy Gunn finally getting mad and going you know what fine they accept like yeah. there's that that seat like oh crap. So now we're headed to this title shot, and it really does make you think, well, are the Acclaim mad at Billy Gunn? Are they going to turn on him? Or is Billy Gunn no, and yeah. an entire list of shenanigans going to happen to keep yeah. the titles off of the Acclaimed? That's what I think is going to happen. I think we're going to see Jarrett. I think we're going to see Lethal. No. I, mean, I think it's going to be a huge bunch of shenanigans. No, I, I think, I think honestly, for me, it's they're going to wrestle a clean match. Until the ref goes down, Billy Gunn's going to jump up on the ring or get in the ring and go to punch one of his boys. He's going to turn around and kick one of them right in the nuts. Yeah. The acclaim. They're going to drop. They're going to hit, you know, the uh, ass boys are going to hit their finisher. One, two, three. The crowd's pissed. Everybody goes home happy. Yeah. You know, know, I, I don't. I don't see this getting too crazy, too water or too uh, not watered down, but I don't think this thing is going to get too crazy. I think it, they're going to they're going to run it, and again they're going to make you believe Billy Gunn's on the up and up until the very end, and that's when he's going to probably doop, right right in the nads. For the record, attendance at Raw in Oklahoma and Dynamite in Ohio. Raw did 6,800, Dynamite 4,736. Solid attendance at both shows. Um, I feel like AEW is doing the right thing, going to some of the smaller venues, 
selling 4,000, 5,000 tickets, get a sellout crowd, keep doing what you're doing because you're drawing money. And that's all that counts. Um, and with the match like we got to see after this, that, that segment, yeah, you're getting your money's worth. Kanosuke Takeshita against Brian Cage. Damn. Where has this Brian Cage been, and why did Tony Khan not put him on TV? And thank God we got Takeshita in AEW. This was a good match. I really enjoyed it. So, like, Jericho has come out and said that Cage is finally starting to get it. Yeah, and he definitely is. I agree. Yeah. So, if, if this is the Cage we can expect, uh, Tony Khan better, better resign him. Yeah. If because he doesn't, this, he's an idiot. This is the cage, basically, from Impact, in my opinion. This is the cage that is on another level. When he finally does go up the card, because I think he will. I think eventually he'll he'll move back up the card. He'll get that title run. And it makes good sense, because he can go with anybody. And Takeshita proves that. It's a hell of a great match. I mean, Takeshita is a star anyway. And I really want to see what they do next with him. I'm I'm excited to see this rise, and he's getting ready to take on MJF this week. Mm-hmm. So that that almost is guaranteed to be a a banger. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think with Cage, you have to you have to. I mean, you got to pay the guy because mm-hmm. you know he's got a lot of potential, especially now. I don't think you really need to turn him away from uh, Prince Nana. I think that's a nice little little dynamic to him, but it's just it's weird. He's he's evolved, if you can say that. Yeah. So. Well, I think when he was part of Team Taz, there was a difficulty of of finding that momentum, finding that that rhythm. Um, because you had so many alpha personalities in that group. And that's before Hook be, even, even became a thing. I mean, Ricky Starks, Powerhouse Hobbs, Brian Cage, all of them alpha personalities. Not to mention Taz, the obvious alpha. So, I mean, you got a lot of people that are kind of trying to lead the way. Mm-hmm. It made sense that Brian Cage was maybe a little lost in that shuffle. And I understood why he wasn't on TV. There just wasn't much else for him to accomplish there. But once you get past that, and I think this hopefully will happen with Miro as well, you have to re- reestablish yeah. something. And that's the, the dark horse to me right now is what happens with Miro next. Like we got Cage. He's in a rhythm. Takesh is a hell of a pickup. You know, you're getting momentum. And you just got Samoa Joe. We'll talk about that here in a minute. So we'll just do that in order. Um We'll, we'll pause on that. We get Brian Danielson and Timothy Thatcher. Uh, yeah, big mistake letting Timothy Thatcher go. By the way, stupid, stupid move. That's a guy that can literally work with any of your performers in NXT and make them better. But nope, you let him go because you're stupid. And now he's in AEW. And yeah, I mean. Some people said that this match was a little rough to watch. I myself really enjoyed it. I had to watch it on a replay, but dude, I want to watch these guys go again. I mean, right now, uh, Daniels, am I doing it? No. Nope, you got it right, yes. Danielson. Yes. Danielson. <laughs> oh my God, I'll get <laughs> it You're trying to match it to the company. Yeah, yeah, I'll get it Brian eventually. Damn it! <laughs> um, like, there's nobody better on the face of the planet. Yeah. 
you know, I've said it before. I'm, I'll keep saying it. Like, there is nobody better than this guy. Um, Some people will argue, but I think this is Danielson better than Ring of Honor Danielson. Like, like I don't, I don't know, I don't know who would argue. I, I, I don't know what argument you would have. He's put out like some of the best wrestling mm-hmm. that you've seen, and he's consistent. Exactly. In like, you know, the last what month or so. I mean, his whole AEW run has been nothing but stellar matches, but like this last run, I mean, it's people that, uh, you know, different backgrounds, different um, styles, the whole nine yards, and he's 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 literally out wrestling everybody. I mean, and Thatcher is a perfect throwback performance. That is, he literally reminds me of Dean Malenko. From back in the day, he is crisp in his movements. He is lethal when he puts a submission in, and he's almost scary with some of his facial expressions. But, dude, it's it's this is only a matter of time before we see him blossom even more. Because I mean, Thatcher was tremendous in Evolve. For those that know, you know. I mean, Timothy Thatcher is a legit star, and Catchpoint was a real real phenomenon in Evolve. Getting him into NXT was a coup. I mean, you had an opportunity with with him to really reestablish the at the time it was the black and gold brand as a wrestling brand again. And instead, 2020 happens and they had to let him go, which is still a stupid move. And now, just when we thought it couldn't get better, we find out that next week, this coming Wednesday, we get Roosh against Danielson and Takeshita takes on MJF in a world title eliminator. I mean that's that's ridiculous. It just keeps getting better. I love it. Can't wait. Yeah. I, it's I mean that's but you know that's which that's how you put on matches. Mhm. Right. And that's the thing like it's like you said it's it's him performing week after week in and week out. You know, it's not like you know, Brian Danielson gets, a, you know, how they get a good pairing of someone together and they kind of, oh, let's keep playing it, keep playing it. It doesn't matter who you put in a ring with him, you know, and he's showing you that, yeah, he's probably making a good amount of money, but he's willing to work. He's putting in the work day in and day out, week after week. It's wild to me that he says he doesn't want to be champion. But what's even crazier is this guy's got blacklisted, not blacklisted, but, you know, said he couldn't wrestle in the WWE. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I can understand why. And there are some fans out there that said that Vince was worried he was going to get more injured. And I get it. But seeing what he's doing now just makes you go, what the hell was he worried about? Like, literally, we're seeing Danielson on a, a completely different level. Now, maybe it was just because he would he would have, and I think we could agree on this, he would have outclassed literally anybody they let him wrestle, mm-hmm. yeah. including Roman. It, Roman is good. Brian Danielson is significantly more elite and better, period. Like, that's, that's just the way it is. He would have exposed Roman, Roman for not being able to keep up. Well, there's more, there's more depth to Danielson. Right. 
there's more depth to him as an athlete, as a character. With Roman, it's it's like we used to say with Hogan, same five moves. Mm-hmm. You know? So, that's what I thought. Jade Cargill defends the TBS championship against um, Red Velvet. Or, excuse me. Uh, Kara Hogan. What the hell? What? Why am I seeing? Wait. Okay, okay, I see what Velvet. it was. Yeah, yeah, Red Velvet was seconded by uh, Kara Hogan. Sorry, the write-up I have in front of me has Cargill listed twice. I just Did we just her. have a Mandela effect? Because <laughs> no, I didn't watch that match. <laughs> I was asleep and I woke up and it was boom. It was different. I don't know. So let me uh, ask you this question, man. Go for it. Go first. All right, now that you're at fifty and zero. Who's the one that's going to take down Jade Cargill? Mm. Is it somebody currently on the roster? Nope. Or is it going to be somebody they have to bring in? Uh, so I think it's going to be somebody they've already reached an agreement with. Yeah. Is not currently on the roster. Agreed. I think I think you stretch this as far as you can, maybe even to uh, to all to double or nothing, to see if you can get her to a hundred, and then at one hundred one. It's probably Mercedes Monet. Mm, I, it won't go that long. Because you're talking, even if she does three a week, she's going to, that's at least 15 weeks. You, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That, so I, now that she's hit 50, she's prone to lose any time. I think on, the pay-per-view coming up, you're going to get your six-man match. You're going to get Sheeta, Hater, and um, Britt versus Soroya, Tony, and uh, Mercedes. And then after that, the, the their faction will stay together and she will go after Cargill and she will beat her first First match. I like that the AEW originals is not just good guys or bad guys. It is Britt Baker, Ruby, and whomever the third turns out to be. Yeah. Well, I, know, I, I like I, that mystery to it, too. Yeah. I think it'll probably be um, uh, Sheeta. Because again, think about uh, what two weeks ago, where she'd come out with the kendo stick, and yeah, you know how she kind of gets one. shunned a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, she'll play in it somewhere too. But um, I see. I almost think Hater may turn as well, or won't become a good guy. Um, and she'll side right with the other ones. I think we're going to we're going to finally get Hater against Baker, but they're going to they're going to they're flipping the script on us right now. Mm-hmm. I think Baker is going to stay over as a face regardless of how she plays. Like I don't think it's going to matter anymore. And it's funny because you know Baker is still so young in her career and she's now she can't do any wrong on TV. Like she she can't make a mistake. People are in her corner. 
She could slap Tony Khan in the face. Fans would cheer. She could kick Jim Ross in the balls. Fans would cheer. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not. She could rip the mask off Excalibur. And fans would cheer because, I mean, that's just who Britt Baker is. And it's funny because, really, if you look at Soraya, she's really doing the same gimmick, just without the DMD thing. I like it. I mean, I like what they're doing. I'm interested to see what happens next. I think Hater does go heel, though. And I think that's how we'll get Baker against Hater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked when this is all said and done. If she doesn't go with Storm and, and Soraya. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope I'm saying that right. Soraya, Soraya. 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 Yeah. Who who do you think will be able to pull Jade Cargill to that next level in her performance? Because she is getting better each week. And, and I, I say that sincerely. I know I wasn't always a fan. But in all seriousness, she is improving weekly. Do you think, a, you think it's Mercedes that pulls her up to that next level? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because... So, uh, you know, again, when when she was in the WWE, we we talked, mm-hmm. and you know, she was she was always put in the top four. You know, Becky, Charlotte, uh, Sasha, Bailey, right? Uh, you know, but we never once discounted her that she can wrestle, right? And she's gonna bring a certain a certain mentality, I think, where um, Jade will will learn to play down. She'll she'll learn to be, she'll learn to chase. She never had to she never had to chase. Right. Um. So she she'll learn to chase, and I think ultimately that'll make her uh, much better at what she does. And uh, Sasha will be the one to show her that because, you know, again, I think I think Sasha is going to be the one to take the title from her. Mm-hmm. And if it not Sasha, but Mercedes. Right. And if it is, that's going to be a hell of a chase, I think. Whereas if some of the other ones take the title, <clears throat> it might be fun to watch. But yeah. Well, I think that 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 speaks volumes to what that missing ingredient is for cargo. The the fact that she's never had to chase, she's never had to sell it, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's because her character is so dominant right now. It doesn't make any sense to just have her sell now. You've mm-hmm. got to find the right opponent. You got to find the right the right son of a bitch to make her have to sell. Mm-hmm. Somebody to sneak attack her, somebody to, you know, throw her face first into an exposed turnbuckle or something like that. And it's going to have to be that because now suddenly you can't just randomly introduce a vulnerability. You have to make it matter. Right. And, and and Mercedes knows how to do that. Actually, one of the things she did really well, especially during her last heel run, was finding a way to, like, make Asuka look vulnerable. Finding a way to make Charlotte Flair look vulnerable when she was a face. And Becky as well. You know, they were at points where they didn't really have a lot of weaknesses. And Sasha at the time was really good at that. And so is Bailey. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. I mean, if you look back at her matches with Charlotte, you know, we always joked that she was Miss PPV and Charlotte was Miss Monday night. 
Right. You know, because mm. like they could, lo- she could wrestle the match and lose on the paper, you know, win it on the pay per view, lose it on Monday. And you're like, okay, she lost nothing. Right. Right. You know, exactly. she didn't lose a step. But then she'd get it right back. You know, when they did the back and forth with them, you know, when was it Charlotte that had her pinned through the railing? Oh, my God. Yeah. The bank statement through the railing was uh, when Sasha won the title on Raw. That was awesome. Yeah. Like, I mean, those were good matches. And it was just it wasn't until later on. When she had to change her style because who she was going against. Mm hmm. You know, like we talked about last week, like Alexa Bliss and those things. That you saw some things, but, you know, with her coming off the New Japan run straight in to take on Jade Cargill, you know, Mm -hmm. I may even watch that Jade Cargill match. So we get to our main event. No holds barred for the TNT Championship. Darby Allen defending against Samoa Joe. Um. Okay, so Darby. How does one say this nicely? Somebody needs to talk to Darby and remind him he needs to live to see the next show. Uh, Jesus. I mean, just getting thrown through every goddamn thing near the ring, thrown through the tables, thumbtacks. He covers a sweatshirt. In thumbtacks, Smojo smothers his face with that. I'm like, what? And he still just keeps coming. It, it's why people love Darby Allen so much. I mean, that's just the truth. Because he just gets the holy shit knocked out of him, and he keeps fighting. Um, But, and, and Tony Schiavone may not have realized he did it, but when he said that the, the people that take apart the ring, this never seems to work out for them. Some pretty rough foreshadowing because we get that uh, that muscle buster from Samoa Joe that ends it. And we get a very bloody, a very brutal, but a very successful Samoa Joe in winning the TNT championship back. I honestly wasn't expecting him to get to be a double champion again. I wasn't expecting it in such brutal fashion. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think it. I didn't think they would change the belt as quick as they did the TNT title, but I also didn't think that Joe would come out and use him as a lawn dart. <laughs> it did remind me of the Rey Mysterio lawn dart incident. <laughs> Just watching him get thrown around. I mean, did Joe watch too many Andre the Giant tutorials? You know, like I used to throw them to the third row. You know, like. <laughs> Darby just, I mean, just getting squished every time he turns around. And he would he would have that moment, those hope spots where it looked like he was going to turn it around and then squish yet again. Then he does the dive to the outside, and Joe's like, no. He just walks away. <laughs> <You're walking> away. <laughs> just, poor Darby's just laying there like, I, I immediately regret this decision. <laughs> you know, it's just, it was a mess. Um, and I really... I, it's not that the match itself wasn't bad. It didn't suck or anything. It's just, I was like, damn it. Darby needs to maybe take a half step back and just go, okay, I'm going to run out of room on this quote unquote bump card that I have for my career. If I'm not careful, surprised he hasn't got yeah. himself a broken neck already. But I mean, he's talked about taking time off. Yeah. For some time. Um, 
So maybe this is what ultimately gets him some time off. Um, yeah. And rightfully so. I mean, if there's oh, yeah, a way to be yeah. written off TV, I'd be the way to do it. For yeah. A while. Um, and I, I mean, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to tell you, I was not expecting Joe to be this animalistic. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long, a very long time since you've seen, you know, like that persona out of Joe. And there again, it's another example of a guy that fans would say that Vince was worried he would get hurt again in WWE. And now we see him in AEW and just watch how dominant he is. I mean, he definitely brought out the whole Joe's going to kill you chant. Oh, my God. And it was (laughs) they were they weren't kidding. (laughs) <laughs> they were literally worried that Darby's going to die on CBS. Next week, it'll be Joe's going to kill you. Darby, Joe's going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I can honestly say it's probably been since, because I didn't really see much of him in ROH. Yeah. Like, that reminds me of when Joe was starting to take off on a national level in Impact. Yes, it, it, that is exactly right. I agree with you there. Yeah, like you just, you could not beat this guy. So I'm glad to see it. I like Samojo. I really yeah. do. Now, I think it's going to suck if he loses to Wardlow, but. Yeah, I have a feeling, and, and this is a shame for Wardlow, but I think that's going to blow up in their face. Yes. I feel like uh, Wardlow coming back. I mean, I like Wardlow. He's done a great job. Fans were solidly behind him. That's why it made me even more surprised when he lost the title. Um, But now, if he beats Samoa Joe in this current incarnation, mm, I see a double turn out of this. I see Joe. I see it going more than one match because there's no way they're going to let Wardlow come in after the, the steam that Joe is building. Yeah. You know? Unless Joe accepts the match and Joe loses. And then Joe says, well, I accepted the match for the ROH TV title. Like, you can have that. Mm, We may have to keep an eye on that. Well, and ROH is starting their TV tapings. So it's it's feasible. uh, That could be what what happens. Yeah, when's the ROH pay-per-view? That's at the end of March, right? End of March, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, so you never know. So that could be, like, he could very well trick us all and be like, no, 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 I said it was for the TV title. Right, right. The ROH TV title, not the AW TV title. So. Huh, that's interesting. All right, so I got a question for you, too. Fire away. Hypothetically speaking, let's say that a certain somebody was playing a certain game called Hogwarts Legacy. I'm not, I'm not naming names, but let's say hypothetically. Expelliarmus. Well, one, one of the professors is an older redheaded woman the last name Weasley. Hermione Weasley. <laughs> so the question is, if when I learn Avada Kedavra, if I hunt down this professor and kill her, would it break the timeline? 
What the hell? And no more Weasleys would be produced, which would then affect the main Harry Potter story. This is literally the darkest turn our show has ever taken. But the fact that they already have kids by the time she's a professor at Hogwarts. Well, yeah, but I mean, don't they like age? I mean, they age different or something, don't they? I mean, look at damn Dumbledore. He was like a thousand years old or some shit. <laughs> I always wondered that, but. Yeah, because, I mean, he was, uh, what's the movie? The Adventures of Dumbledore, whatever they are. That's that's like early 1900s, and he's still puttering around and whenever <laughs> Harry Potter come out. This is sputtering about, you know. Yeah. I always wondered why all the advances of wizardry and all that stuff, why they always why they always wore robes everywhere. It's what witches and wizards do. But again, I ask you, if I if I make it a point to kill this professor, what it I always keeps coming back to murder. <laughs> like I wonder why you have this deep dark hatred for Hermione. <laughs> really? Isn't yeah, but she the most not one on that freaking show or movie? Well, no, I guess she is a Weasley once they get married. And she's yeah, a Weasley. End, she's a Weasley. Yeah. yeah. Not yeah. At the end, she's a Weasley. But if I kill, probably the great 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 grandmother, maybe. Oh, so this takes part before. Yes. Oh, this is like. Oh God. This is like. Sometime before. I'm so confused. So, like, this is before even Voldemort or Tom Riddle or whatever the hell his name is. For the record, I've never read a single Harry Potter book. Never watched. Never never read a book. Never watched the movies. So I know nothing of what you're talking about. <laughs> Are you fucking shitting me? No, sir. How in the hell have you made it through this far in your life? My kids love it. My wife loves it. I've never watched it. Never interested me. Well, guess what you're doing Saturday. Oh, hell no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Oh, yeah. Ugh. I'm busting that cherry wide open. Bunch of nerds. Which one haven't you watched? Any None of them. of them. None of them. Not a single one. You're a liar. No, sir. You, oh, yeah, I can't, I, you cannot yeah, I have Anna Grubb as your daughter. Yeah. I bought her the box set of the books. But I didn't uh-huh. read a single damn one of them. <laughs> You know, no, I got a better idea. I got a better idea. We're going to sit around. We're going to drink. We're going to get drunk. And as we're getting drunk, I'm going to read out loud. Oh, God. <laughs> the first Harry Potter book. <laughs> and nobody can leave until I'm done. If it wasn't going to get us a copyright strike, I'd force you to do that on YouTube or something. <laughs> like Andy Kaufman. <laughs> Oh, we'd get such, it would be such crap. I don't know, would we get in trouble for reading it and recording this? If we paid appropriate, like, credit to the author and all of that, no. We wouldn't get a copyright strike, but we wouldn't be able to monetize the video. You just can't read all of it. You just read a chapter. You don't have to say what it's from. So how about this? Let's try this. So how about I kill this woman in this game? <laughs> Back and to murder. Then, then <laughs> we are, I yeah. will read the first book and I will omit Ron Weasley's part anytime it appears. <laughs> Jesus. So we will read it in such a way that instead of there being three of them, there is only two. <laughs> so 
so if you commit murder, <laughs> you're gonna. I I can't. I, that's just nuts. That's Rob, what we're gonna do. We're gonna help me understand. Gonna, make it make we're sense. Spend the whole thing. Brian wants to commit murder, and he's trying to rationalize it to us. <laughs> I'm just not gonna comment. I'm like, what is happening right? I mean, now? I mean, think about it. Harmony would then become a Potter. Hermoony. And not a not a Weasley, because Weasley's that bloodline would be dead. Right, so Harry wouldn't have a boo, and she wouldn't have a boo. Right, so they would boo together. And a whole bunch of boo-hoo. They would get it on. <laughs> you can't tell me that wouldn't happen in Hogwarts anyway, as unsupervised as teenage boys and girls were. I am shocked and appalled, sir. We're going to put a whole brand new spin on this Harry Potter shit. <laughs> This is going to take off so big. That's it. When I read Harry Potter, it's going to be called Harry Potter and the Magic Chess Set. (laughs) Harry Potter touches chess. (laughs) No, not at that time. Harry Potter, the toys and the chess. He's not getting it on at (laughs) 10 years old or whatever he was. Harry Potter and Mommy's Toys. (laughs) <laughs> Harry Potter and the Order of the Stripper. No. <laughs> Harry Potter goes to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, I plan on killing this woman. She has no clue it's coming yet. Thoughts and opinions. As Brian. soon as I learn Avada Kedavra, I'm going to hunt her down and kill her. Brian, it's Leviosa, not Leviosa. That's what my kids tell me. No, no, that's to make them float. I know. I'm going straight That's for all the I jugular. <laughs> I'm going straight for the jugular. What's the one that turns people into snakes? There isn't one that turns them into snakes. Isn't there a part of one of these movies where they, they turn the wands into snakes and make them fight? No, that's that's your porn you watch or something. I, I don't oh, oh, it's that Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Harry Pooper. It's Harry Pooper in the chest set. <laughs> <laughs> And yep, that's the end. <laughs> Look, you, they're 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 whacking wands. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter and the order of the thong. <laughs> why is that woman's broomstick that way? What is? Why is she not? Ballyamba. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody needs to show her how to get off of that thing. Lord She's getting trying. She just can't seem to do it. <laughs> now the bad part is, and there's no way we're going to be able to confirm this. Good There's God. probably some porn director out there listening right now, writing notes, be like, "Oh my God, this is the greatest fucking porn movie ever." It's happened before. C2C's been ripped off before. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Deathly Swallows. Oh, oh my God, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, well, I think that's as good a time as any to say that's going to do it for us here on C2C Radio Show. Uh, catch up with the show at C2C Radio Show, C2C Radio Show dot com, Apple, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify. Uh, tune in <clears throat> over, of course, on the Beyond Ringside Radio Network. You can catch up with our replays there as well. Thank you to Mr. Eddie Lane. Uh, and uh, anywhere you get your podcast, tell everybody all about it. Follow Brian on Twitter at Vlad Dragul C2C. 
do it now before the FCC shuts him down for threatening to murder a witch. Catch up with Rob at Rob Hefner C2C. I'm at Stan Grubb. And, Go uh, buy the game, you little bastards. <laughs> we're not getting any money from them. We're not promoting. How them. do you know I'm not getting money? Because <laughs> you're not sharing. One of these times I'm going to do something, and then and then I'm going to walk out the door the next day. I'm going to have like a caseload of fucking some drinks in my damn <laughs> driveway and be like, "How'd this get here?" Well, you you mentioned us last night on the show. I'm gonna laugh at y'all. Uh-huh. Maybe Conrad Thompson will finally say, hey, you know, those guys at Corner to Corner, I want to work with those guys. That's going to do it. Who says I want to work with him? <laughs> say goodnight, everybody. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Maybe I can work with Meltzer. <laughs> you don't want to work with him. Ah, he makes it up can, as he goes. He's, I know, he's but that's what I'm saying. We, we'd almost be perfect. <laughs> and he said deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.